It's the Redirect Podcast. Search industry research, discussion, and analysis from the Black Truck Media and Marketing Headquarters. And now, redirecting you to the Black Truck Team. Welcome to episode 55 of the Redirect Podcast. It is Wednesday, August 29th, 2018. I'm Jason Dodge, founder of Black Truck Media and Marketing. I'm joined this week by Patrick and Ashley from the Black Truck team. Hey, team. Hello. How are you guys? Hey. Good? Good. Just uh, ignore my <laughs> overly nasal, nasally, overly nasally voice. Uh, I am battling some fun allergy issues right now, but the show must go on. That's right. So this is not an excuse to not keep going, so... I might keep some of my talking to a minimum, <laughs> and uh, Pat, I know you said you were going to kick it off this week here uh, sure. with sharing from uh, uh, some search insights and, and industry tips. So. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm going to talk about UX and privacy. Okay. Ooh. So um, we often talk a lot about privacy, and uh, notably around here, we talk about the GDPR quite a bit and mm-hmm. how that was a big thing this summer and how that was kind of all over the place. Two weeks ago, I had a, a conversation here about um, how Google is still tracking us even though we think we've turned it off, and in fact we haven't, and how um, on our phones at least many of the apps work in unison together and uh, they take little pieces from each other to make it a more user-seamless experience, mm-hmm. and a lot of this based on your location. Uh, I talked about how um, we can turn that off, but we don't really know how. Mm-hmm. It's buried. It's, it's dug down in there somewhere, and you got to get down to the nitty-gritty. Um, I'm a Redditor. I follow a subreddit called Data is Beautiful, and it's a pretty neat little subreddit about people that put together data and present it in a really pretty fashion. Nice. Charts. Think think neat charts. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one on there this week that caught my eye, and it was in regard to, it was a 10-year history of the phrase, how do I delete? And it was either Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Um, <laughs> and anytime um, that subreddit moves into the um, search-related world, it catches my eye, and I dug into it a little bit. Um, <laughs> Spoiler, in the 10-year history, for the fr- Facebook's always dominated that, but lately, the last couple of years, Facebook's come down, Instagram has gone up, and Instagram, for the first time, just passed Facebook. Mm. How do I delete mm. Instagram? Interesting. Yeah. And, and then, is it like it, it deleting like Instagram in general? Yeah, like your, photos, your account. Or? You're just like okay. deactivating your account. Uh, Think about it that way. Okay. Deactivating your account. Uh, and what was interesting to me on that is how difficult it is to get down in there and do that. that that's the hardest part, is getting in there and deleting your account. Thinking about that, it's uh, anything that you do right now. Do you know how to go in and, and get rid of it if you want to delete it? Uh, so reading through that comment, or through the comments that are on that post, um, I found um, someone linked to a YouTube video about just this exact phenomenon, I guess you could call it. Um, and I learned it's called dark patterns. Hmm. It's a whole... UX world out there of dark patterns and there's a lot of different kinds of dark patterns the one specifically that this is at the, the video that it linked to was a quick six-minute video I'll, I'll provide the link for that um, Was it showed an example like if you wanted to delete your um, 
your Amazon account, mm-hmm. <laughs> how many steps you have to go through <laughs> to get to it, and then ultimately <clears throat> it connects you with a chat box, and you have to chat with Instagram, I'm sorry, Amazon, to wow. really verify you do, in fact, want to do this. Uh, so what this specific type of dark pattern is called, there's many different areas. This one's kind of neat. It's called Roach Hotel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Q, Q Hotel, California. Um, you can check in. Um, but anyways, it's about easily getting in, but how difficult it is to yeah. get out. And um, it's, it's fascinating. There's so much different stuff to go down on this path to how you the different ways you can do this with, with UX. And uh, it's an area that we don't often work with here in our specific clientele, but um, like app builders mm-hmm. or um, people out there that have uh, websites that are more account related, mm-hmm. that you have logins and access to different things, that it's it's so commonplace and so practiced that you don't even realize you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, it can go in and kind of really, dis- it, we see it in terms of, Think about it another way. Uh, how easy is it to unsubscribe from a newsletter mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in your inbox? Yeah. If you want to recover your, your inbox that's gotten kind of out of control from these daily things, how easily can you go in there and get rid of that? That is a, part of a dark pattern. It's everyday use in there right now. Um, what I found uh, different, different areas in there is uh, the bait and switch. Obviously, you think you're doing something else. You end up somewhere else. Uh, <laughs> con for shaming. Uh, you confirm, they confirm by giving you a little bit of a shame, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, disguised ads. You think the ad is for one thing and it turns out to be for something else. Wow. We, we deal with that in different forms mm-hmm. through our AdWords use, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh, force continuity. Um, you have to just kind of, you're, you have to, the method of canceling those trials, you know, the force continuity, uh, friend spam where, um, the video discussed an episode or an incident with uh, LinkedIn when they first started going out. They were sued, I think, for something like thirteen million dollars. <throat> the wow. the, the um, lawsuit was ended up being ten dollars a user because every how when you signed up for your LinkedIn account, you had to go through I think it was eight different declines of LinkedIn asking for hmm. your contact list mm. so they could collect email addresses. Um, hidden costs, that's that's obvious. Misdirection. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> uh, price comparison and prevention. Another one that, um, kind of fun. Privacy zuckering. That's exactly <laughs> what you think it is. Uh, you're tricked into publicly sharing more information about yourself than you really intended to, named after um, another CEO. That's wow. Uh, the Roach Motel, the design makes it very easy for you to get into a certain situation and then makes it hard for you to get out such as subscriptions or accounts, mm. things like that. Uh, sneak in a basket. I've, I've not seen this one very often, but when you're shopping, some other small thing that maybe is free will show up mm. in your basket that's maybe a, a trial or something oh, along those nasty. lines. Oh, that's nasty. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then trick questions, how you respond to a question can dictate what shows up next. Interesting. Um, yeah, so there's it's lots of different UX things out there that can ultimately affect your, your SEO element of this mm. as well, you know, and... Um, all we can do as marketers is coach on that, advise on that. And when we have the opportunity to, as marketers to go in and help advise on maybe a site rebuild with UX, 
this is all tarp types of dark patterns that yeah, yeah. we have to be aware of and, and make sure that... Uh, Ashley, I know you and I are kind of junkies for UX. <laughs> we like to review that, and sometimes we... When we do a site analysis, we might go a little bit too far into <laughs> some of our suggestions and in-depth stuff because we, we're seeing like uh, we're making suggestions for like total site shifts on how uh, something might work because mm -hmm. we see it as <clears throat> um, what I've now been able to name as a, a bad dark pattern or mm -hmm. potentially ro roach hoteling. Interesting. Well, that's tough because you're trying to you're trying to, in that case, improve engagement or page depth or, you know, engagement with the brand, buy more, do more inside Which are all site. marketing goals. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. But it also borders on, you know, cloaking's not the right word, but, but it really does in the sense that that's not necessarily a great thing. But yet, Google's not going to penalize you for this because if you are trapped in the site and you continuously explore the site unbeknownst to you because you can't get out. <laughs> Is that a bad thing from Google's perspective? No, they don't know any different. Right. Right? So if you're doing it ethically, dark patterns, ethically, if you can right. say right. that that's done ethically. Um, yeah, and I don't think there's any UX UI designer out there that's going to say... I do this maliciously. We go about it this way to right. know, increase page engagement, yada, yada, yada. But, um, you know, ultimately, if that site is ranked uh, and, and all the things line up and people continue to stay longer on that page or on that site, you know, there is, a, you know, a good cause and effect that can come from that. It's good, right? You know, it, it might in, be in the benefit of the site owner. Benefit, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but at the end of the day, it could create um, negative sentiment with the site from the user I base. I agree. I yeah. agree. And then you have a PR problem. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. And if these dark patterns have become even more um, prevalent in the past 10 years or whatever, mm -hmm. I wonder as we're seeing the shift in the digital world towards privacy and um, more user-focused practices, if things will start to shift back in the other direction right. too. Right, right. One of the things yeah. we talk here is good, clean, white hat SEO mm -hmm. and keeping it human. And I think this all can follow, fall in line with that. Good UX, um, white hat, uh, you know, that human route is what... I think can help resuscitate dark patterns, maybe, um, or make it so there's a common ground in the middle that still will satisfy those people that are trying to get mm -hmm. um, users to stay on their site longer and not cancel their accounts, right? And right. not create bad sentiment for those people yeah. that are maybe jaded and want to leave and can't. Don't be deceptive about it. Right. That's no. You know, it's just like Netflix making some changes now to. They're testing things in their platform on ads, you know. Well, they're not advertising other brands. They're advertising other shows. But there's users who are saying, you know, screw this. Mm -hmm. You want to do that, I'm out. Right. What am I paying you for? Mm -hmm. It's their original um, content. They're advertising their original mm -hmm, content, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, or going as far as saying, well, we're not placing that much weight on our reviews anymore. So we're going to take that away. Well... They took it away from the app. 
they didn't take it away from the website. But how many people are going to, to Netflix.com to right. watch a show or watch right. a movie? Mm-hmm. Very few. Most mm-hmm. people are watching it in an app. So if you take it away from the review, if you take the reviews away from the app, does that make you look better or worse? Or you know what I mean? Like you t- so you took this you took this this functionality out of the place that ninety percent and ninety five percent of the people are using and make a claim that this is better for their algorithm or better for, you know, right. uh, versioning and things like that. When in reality, it doesn't really matter because yeah. nobody's leaving a review on those on those platforms anyways. Right. She uh, made it difficult for them. Yeah. Interesting. <clears throat> Could be also like the um, Rotten Tomatoes phenomenon that's out there right now that mm-hmm. before movies are even available, they've got Rotten Tomato scores with 600... 100% ratings it, or the opposite, yeah. you know, 20% ratings and it's causing opening day ticket sales to be terrible. Mm-hmm. We, I think we talked about that here with Amazon reviews uh, before, how there's some um, schemes out there to skew it. So I, yeah. I, I don't have yeah. a problem with Netflix <clears throat> taking out their reviews, but like you said, yeah, some people are using it, some people aren't. There isn't a, a great way to um, make that announcement. But so I think to your point, to kind of come full circle, is those things can be um, used for good, mm-hmm. but then they also can come back to bite you negatively mm-hmm. on your brand. Yeah. So so what does it say? What does it communicate about your brand? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Interesting. I'll make sure we share the link to Pat's favorite subreddit right now. <laughs> was there? A, you said there was a pretty chart related to this. Or yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just a line a line chart. It's. Okay. It's pretty because it's three colors. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, conditional formatting. <laughs> All right. Sweet. All right, Ashley. All right. Well, I think we've talked about this at least internally at some point. I don't believe it's been a, a topic on the redirect, but um, the issue of in featured snippets when your information shows up, mm. but a competitor's image mm. might show up in, mm. in the featured snippet. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that it's come up internally a little bit here, and basically, no, it's not a fluke. Um, what it basically means is that since Google wants to give users the best results, they might see that your information is the best result, but that your competitor's image is the best result to show with your with your um, information. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I found an article um, from the SEMPOST um, that talks about this. And basically, when, when Google does not choose the image from your featured snippet landing page or the page on your site that is generating this featured snippet in Google results, um, it often chooses the image that is ranking number one for the same query but in Google image search. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... <clears throat> Nothing really earth-shattering here, uh, but basically, if this is happening for you, don't get mad. Get better. Uh, your image might be lacking, and if you work on improving the image, then there's a good chance you can help to get that populated hmm. in these future hmm. snippets that you might have. So basic image optimization practices that we've discussed before, um, you know, an optimized file name, using alt tags, and then... Uh, Jennifer shares some good tips here as well to 
improve your page by including multiple relevant images, and that way Google has some options to choose from, so mm -hmm. you're not only limited to that, you know, maybe one, uh, one image that you have associated mm -hmm. with that page. And then actually looking at the image that does populate for the featured snippet, if it's not yours, and seeing the context that it's in on the original page that it's from, and then how that image is optimized, and then even the content of the image, mm -hmm. um, and then use that to improve your own so that you might be able to get that, get that image yourself. That's interesting. So the featured snippet isn't when you've got two sources in it, you know, the, the content mm -hmm. and then the image. Mm -hmm. It's not subjective. It's simply the first result in Google image search. That's, that's what you're finding. Um, typically, hmm. I mean, this is a direct quote from the SunPost article. Yeah, it says okay. it often chooses the image often that chooses. is ranking number right. one for the same query, but in Google image search. Yeah, and I think Justin Briggs from Briggsby had, um, there was some chat in social channels mm. that echoed the same thing. The same thing with featured uh so featured snippet, featured image, featured video, all are going to follow a similar pattern, right? Like your, your content has to be ranked on page one to begin with. Content being written words, mm -hmm. image, video, um, in order to try and, you know, secure that spot. Mm -hmm. um, was there anything in there on markup on, on the way? Like if you had multiple images within your page in that post, whatever it was, was there anything on markup? No, not in this specific article, but um, I was reading some other things on image optimization today too, and it definitely did mention using markup mm -hmm. for those images. Mm -hmm. So that couldn't hurt at all. Interesting. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> well, that would be good reading. I, I saw that uh, Jennifer had tweeted that out earlier, but I didn't get an opportunity to read it yet. So Yeah. Now I will. Fascinating. <laughs> I'd like. I still would like to explore the video side of it uh, a little yeah. bit more too. That's I think is a unique opportunity there as well. So sweet. Well, I will try and keep this brief. Um, <clears throat> thinking about more along the lines, so I'm completely shifting gears from what you guys have talked about to like landing pages for PPC. Nice. Uh, whether it's landing pages for like effectiveness, efficiencies, what you will. Um, we've been through a number of cases recently that have kind of called for a more of a quasi-custom landing page, if you will. Um, those have been in order, and, and for good reason. And I wanted to kind of share what those reasons were, but also maybe run through a couple things uh, to say, like, uh, you know, making sure you understand what a, a landing page is versus a squeeze page and like um, how are you coming up with the direction for that landing page um, and in this case specifically talking about PPC campaigns uh, not uh, paid social campaigns or, or uh, general what you might deem landing pages so landing page versus squeeze page uh, in my vocabulary anyways other people might have other things to say but a squeeze page is often a page that you're driving someone to that has no additional or very, very limited internal navigation structure. So I come to this page, my options or my opportunity is basically as a user, 
I'm either going to convert or leave. Yep. So you're going to have a high bounce rate regardless. Um, I don't, uh, the, the challenge with that is, is that I don't get to experience the brand to its fullest extent. Um, and I will argue a lot of different people on this, but typically the more expensive or the more lengthy the purchase is, the more thought and time and stuff that goes into that process. So if it's a brand that I don't know, and this is my first interaction off of a paid search ad or a display ad, that might not be the best place to send me, mm -hmm. right? Uh, whereas a squeeze page might work well for remarketing purposes or targeting people who are already somewhere in my funnel, not top of the funnel people, more mid to bottom of the, of, of the funnel people. Because I'm familiar with the brand now. I click on the ad. Now it's time for you to make the ask. I don't need to go anywhere else. Like, I've kicked the tires enough. Pull the trigger. Let's let's go. On the landing page side, I think there's a unique opportunity, and still people miss the boat with this, is building a landing page inside an existing site. So not using a subdomain necessarily. Oh, yeah. You know, if you, if you operate a WordPress-based site, there's no reason necessarily, no offense to the folks at Unbounce and Optimizely and stuff, I think those are really great services. Uh, Unbounce especially, I have a lot of respect for them, but... You know, if you're dipping your toes in the water just to see about landing page um, optimization and how do I optimize it, how do I optimize that conversion rate and things like that, and don't want to go super crazy into A-B testing, there's there's nothing stopping you from creating a landing page right inside your site. Create the landing page, uh, block it, make sure it's not included in your sitemap, etc., and use it specifically for PPC purposes or display purposes or social purposes. Um, but let's get back to the reason why we're developing it to begin with. Um, maybe the, the ad groups, the categories that you have developed, the audience that you're trying to reach, none of the existing pages really speak to that audience. It doesn't use the language that they're using. Um, maybe it's very location dependent. So, uh, it's one region, you know, um, <clears throat> New York versus Philadelphia or something like that, or New York city versus LA. Two completely different audiences. If we if we can we can pull them apart that that broadly, and uh, or based on services. So if I especially if I have this area where it's like location plus service or service plus geo modifier, I would want to try and tailor it more toward where you're at. Mm. Um, in a lot of cases, at least recently, what we found is that especially where you're running PPC campaigns and you have a low quality score. So quality score for those who don't know is is more or less a oh Pat what do we want to call it call it a guide or uh, um, I mean how qualitative is the keyword searched to the ad copy to the landing page how relevant right. is all of that together yep. in, in three basic details and it's a scale of one to ten uh, with most people running good quality scores somewhere I would say in the seven plus range. Um, but when you're running down in the low quality score range, um, odds are you're going to get limited play for impressions. Um, you're going to pay more for those clicks. Uh, you know, it's, it's just not a good combination. So sometimes by simply going and looking at your ad groups or going, I would say go granular, look at the keyword level and do a search term report, run a search term report for the past three months or however much data you can get. And, and don't just focus necessarily on what's converting. Focus on what the impressions and clicks. I want you to look at the impression and click data. 
because somewhere in there you're going to see a signal that tells you this is what people are searching for. My landing pages right now don't communicate that at all. So hell no, they're never going to convert that because that doesn't resonate with the audience. I'm never going to have a great quality score because those phrases aren't included in my landing page. They're not, those topics aren't covered in the landing page. And I don't have that included in my ad. That's a whole other side of quality score that we're not going to get into. But look at those, gain some insights and see if you can use those themes uh, to build that landing page out and also make it easy for people to convert. Like while we've given them the opportunity to kind of jump around the site, um, giving them the opportunity to convert right there because you might be hitting someone that's top of the funnel or mid or bottom of the funnel. So you, now we have this landing page that's created to fulfill both of those needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe you learn over time that that either works or doesn't work for your audience. So it's more of a hybrid approach. It's, it's not sending people directly to this page where oh, the only thing I can do is convert or die. I, I at least give you the option to tell you and sell you on my services and why we're the best, et cetera, et cetera, and, and go from there. Um, building it within your existing framework, if you can, also makes the above-the-fold experience very consistent with either um, your brand, with your advertising, with your messaging, with your story. It makes it all fit and feel good. Some of these other landing pages that are built on subdomains and things like that that are more in that squeeze page variety don't necessarily yeah. always fit that. Mm-hmm. They always feel disjointed from a brand unless they're executed extremely well. And I think people that, that are doing that half the time are running so fast that they don't take the time to, you know, half the, half the allure of running something like an unbounce is I don't need a designer for it, right? Not to mention sometimes those services can be a lot slower. So if you have a site that's performing quite well from a performance perspective, speed, why not build that landing page right in the existing site, in the existing platform that you know is going to perform well? Mm -hmm. Because that's going to be another factor in quality score as well. Um, Do these headlines really define what it is that you do and what you're selling? Because again, that bakes into what that person's looking for. Um, Get the value across, that type of thing. Clear, uh, clear, clear call to action. Am I getting a quote? How am I expressing interest? Am I making the ask to say, you know, is it buy now, order today, pre-order, you know, that type of thing? What's the sense of, of urgency in there? So um, those are just some some quick tips to, to kind of go through and keep keep things very focused. Yeah. So give it the landing, give it give it the squeeze page feel, if you will. Generate some demand there with with your content be helpful but um don't make it too distracting i guess yeah so and that can even loop back to patrick's discussion of ux too because if you create a seamless experience of the brand for the user that's gonna be good totally yeah. totally you know and and really um <clears throat> well i've talked mostly about that in a ppc context you you could apply those same principles to uh, um your location pages for local seo Right, mm-hmm. dig, dig in, especially if you're running PPC campaigns, combine data sets, and, and you kind of got to nerd out a little bit to understand what are people in those locations looking for. Go and look at your organic rankings and say, God, we're doing poorly. Is there a way we can change those location pages, include those things that people are searching on in those regions, include those in those pages, and help bolster those up over time too? 
I'm not saying so you're going to like spend more immediately or spend less immediately on PPC, but right. at least over time, those organic uh, uh, positions start to start to improve mm-hmm. too for that location. Mm-hmm. You know that near me, by me, in such and such city. So, um, some quick tips on landing page for people that are maybe concerned about that. So, but if you can't do it inside your um, existing site. Um, you know, then certainly, you know, Unbounce is a great, that's a great option. Um, you simply need a subdomain to run it on. So it could be something like marketing.blacktruckmedia.com. And we can send all our paid search traffic there or display traffic or what have you. Um, that might be really good, again, for, you know, more bottom of the funnel type lead generation. Um, so, but as always, I think test and try and, and do different things and run it for a period of time and see what happens. So. And it's not going to change overnight, too, right? I mean, we've seen these things um, that, that maybe Pat and I have worked more in depth on on the PPC side that we've deployed, and you have to give it you have to give it time. You've got to give it like these things aren't going to pivot in twenty four hours. You've got to let it kind of marinate in there for a couple of days and start right. to see what that data says, especially in a refined type of product, mm-hmm. keyword base. Yeah, refined product, keyword base, uh, uh, geographic area. Yeah. I mean, if you're in a if you're in a rural area or a rural state uh, versus a major metro area, right. obviously it's not going to move as quickly, so the demand's not there. But um, really try and tailor it to what that demand is, and and see if you can get your kind of get your foot in the game there. So good, cool. All right. Well, we shared a lot of information. There's a lot of dark things going on. <laughs> dark, apparently. Dark. So we're all going to explore Reddit now. <laughs> I know John John Mueller's uh, the active on there now too. Maybe we'll share that. Maybe we'll share that tidbit and create some. Uh, what was the What was the acronym? Uh, PBNs. PBNs. Uh, private blog net- networks. Nothing spammy about that mm-hmm. at all. If you want to mm-hmm. go go Google that, or we'll share we'll share the link and what not to do. So, <laughs> thankfully, Reddit tries to stay a little bit more red hat. There's some black hat people in there, but uh, nonetheless. <laughs> I'm not looking at Patrick. He's not a black guy. <laughs> no, definitely not. It's good to keep tabs on that, though, too. So, All right, cool. A lot of information. Uh, if you're more curious, though, totally about um, what Patrick was talking about, geolocation, how Google, you're, how when you tell Google no on your mobile device, it's not 100% off. Right. Um, there's a lot of really good information that was shared in, in episode 54, so jump back and listen to that. Uh, it's pretty quick. Uh, quick episode and uh, we'll detail that out. So cool. Awesome. Thanks everybody for contributing and thanks for everyone listening. Until next time, good luck. This has been the Redirect Podcast. Check out the show notes at blacktruckmedia.com and add us on iTunes and Stitcher.